Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmate, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. I guess I came to the club probably a bit naive about what AFL football was about and what it took. Um, the development pathway that I came through is not as developed as they are now, so um, I certainly took a little while to get going. I think my first year here playing with Subiaco in the Premiership um, was really good for me. Um, being able to play against men in a successful environment um, I think helped build my confidence um, and understand the strengths of my game really quickly. Um, fast forward a few years to playing half-back and, and then moving up into the midfield um, saw it as a great opportunity to you know, utilise some of my greatest strengths. Um, but again, in the back of my mind, the negative voice is always churning away about you know, my weaknesses and what I needed to work on as a footballer. So I um, felt like I got to work and the continuity I've been able to have throughout my career has been the backbone of me being able to do what I do. Certainly caught a few people by surprise this morning. 37-year-old David Mundy, who has played at this point in time 371 games to date since making his debut for the Dockers back in 2005. Being drafted from Victoria, has decided to retire at the end of the season, which places him 10th on the list of the most AFL-VFL games played, and the Dockers veteran could finish as high as equal 7th by the time he hangs up his boots, depending on the club's finals fortunes. Caught me by surprise when there were indications a few weeks ago they'd have to kick him out of the club. Kim Hagdorn, a very good evening to you. Did it surprise you? Oh, very much so, Peter. Hello to everybody. Um, very surprised at the timing of this announcement, not surprised at the overall decision. My understanding is that David Mundy's not really comfortable with this. He's accepted it. He, he felt as though... He was going to play on next year. And as you just touched on, three weeks ago, they'll have to kick me out, was his quote. And then asked about 400. He has said, you know, yeah, you'd like to go as long as you could. So, David Mundy, I'm surprised that it's been made now three games to go. Not surprised that the decision's been made for him not to go on. Uh, because as much as I thought he was possibly even Fremantle's best player mm. last Friday night mm. against Melbourne, had something like 10 clearances. Um, and he's averaging 21 disposals a game this season, and uh, he's averaging 21 games across his 19-year career. He's only missed one, once, Pete, w was less than about 20 games. His least games in a season was 2011 when he missed the latter half of that season with an ankle problem. So he's been amazingly durable. He's a club great and it brings up that argument now or discussion. It's a great discussion to have when we get to these sorts of announcements and circumstances and consider a player such a, a, an iconic player as their career where they sit with the other players amongst the best. I mean, I think he's clearly one of Fremantle's best ever two or three players, argue about who the, the others might be. But I, I, I was surprised at the timing, not surprised that David Mundy wasn't going to play on if there was going to become an announcement like today, why not in Derby week? Why in a week when, or the Monday of the week when they're to go on the road to play probably the biggest game in home and away that Fremantle have confronted in nearly a decade? I've gone back through my books. I can find 2014 where there was two big occasions at this stage of the season when Fremantle had to beat Hawthorne and then had to beat Port in round 23 to finish in the top four, which they did. They beat Port in the last game of the season to jump, to hold fourth, fourth spot. Port were going to jump over them had they won that game. So why would David Mundy's announcement be in this week? Was it because they needed Fremantle 
some feel good after last Friday and with the story that's going to rage this week about whether Matthew Taverner should hold his spot or not. I don't think he should. Not so sure what alternatives they've got. But that that in itself is another raging issue that Fremantle perhaps have avoided at least for 24 to 36 hours by announcing one of their greatest ever players will not continue into next year. But why not in Derby Week? I reckon you'd have gotten 50... It's Fremantle's home derby next week, remember. So they play the Bulldogs this week. Then they've got West Coast. And then they finish with uh, Western Sydney in Canberra. Why did David Mundy announce it today? And my answer to that is, speculatively, is because he was seeking some indication. He got the indication that you won't be playing on... You're not going to be guaranteed a game next year. And so, therefore, let's announce it because we don't want this to leak out over the next couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, get on the uh, Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 uh, or the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. So two questions, and it's been a very celebrated career. But when you look at David Mundy, 371 games at this point in time, he's claimed the Doig medal just the once as the fairest and best player at Frio in 2010 and a one-time All-Australian. So he's always sat just below the likes of Nat Fife and Matthew Pavlich and these players in that tier. Mm. But his consistency has been mm. his strength. He's always been there. And the other question I'll pose, did they decide Frio? Because it's been a terrible final last three weeks, and Friday night was, again, quite poor, is they cannot carry Nat Fife and David oh. Mundy in the same team going forward. So one had to go. And David Mundy was the one that was told he couldn't continue. Oh, no doubt. Um, Nathan Fife is securely contracted for next year. Nathan Fife is the reigning captain and Nathan Fife is Nathan Fife. And there's not a lot of people at Fremantle that are going to tell Nathan Fife what to do. Um, absolutely. You, you can't see the other one when you look at Fremantle. Uh, so Mundy's departure at Fremantle, Fife, 30 and, and 208 games. And he's, he's just not the player that we've uh, lauded mm. at the heights of his career. He's not that player anymore. So my question, Mark, is is the finals coming up, how they handle those two players, uh, the, the the emotions between the two, uh, the, the the bonding between them over the finals. Also, Michael Walters, tail end of his career, 31, nearly 200 games. And those, those boys really, you can't budget on them being around Fremantle beyond 2023. So unless they can grab something this year... With the likes of Mundy, Fife coming back during the finals, Walt was so late into his career, Lobb to go. I can confirm, apparently, Peter, that Rory Lobb has told Fremantle he wants to be traded in the trade period in October. He's told them already. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what sort of what sort of emotions does that create? Does it create a bit of conflict, disharmony within the group, a bit of uncertainty about some? Why? Sean Darcy, well, Sean Darcy hasn't been the same player for, for several weeks. And my understanding is that Sean Darcy... And and Rory Lobb were hauled over the coals uh, on Friday evening by the midfields coach Josh Carr. Uh, slipped right into uh, Rory Lobb and and Sean Darcy about their productivity and their body language, their attitude, and also post match. Now I thought Darcy was okay. He was beaten by mm. Max Gorn on Friday night. I thought Max Gorn set a tone of authority on that ground and that's what they wanted from the opening moments to try and win that game, to run on and win a critical game. I thought Gorn set a tone, but I didn't think Darcy, you know, he certainly didn't turn the toes up, that's for sure. He didn't give it up, but really strong from Josh Carr apparently at halftime and then post-match. Now, Rory Lobb, no hit-outs. I think he played injured. 
Uh, and Rory Lobb, just the one tackle. Uh, I, I thought he was justifiably assaulted by a midfields coach, but he's mainly forward, isn't he? So Fremantle have got some issues, I think, that are affecting the rest of the group. And the Luke Jackson coming is certainly having some effect, as I understand it and as I see it. So um, where they go to for next year, if they can't achieve something this year, this season, Fremantle, and I think this game this week is so pivotal to Fremantle's chances of extending their run into September deep because if they don't win this week, I think Fremantle can finish as low as sixth or even seventh. The Bulldogs climb back into eventually the top eight because I think Richmond and the Bulldogs can press into the eight at Carlton and St Kilda's expense. Now, that's what's resting on it for the Bulldogs against Fremantle, and Fremantle have got a lot of other issues that they need to handle, emotional issues and morale issues behind the scenes to be able to beat the Bulldogs on Saturday night. Okay, and just an update here on regarding both Nat Fife and Sam Switkowski uh, making their returns from injury. It's just come out. Uh, the update from uh, Peter Bell, the Executive General Manager of Football, uh, it looks like Nat Fife is targeting return in round 23 against GWS. So he's not going to come back anytime soon in the next couple of weeks. Well, I think uh, we, we said that. We said yeah. last week that it was three to four weeks. I, I still question he might be targeting GWS on the road again in Canberra. I, I'd, be, I'd still maintain I'd be surprised at that. Mm. Target that all you like. Yeah, okay. Get fit and healthy, then have another two weeks before the first final, Nathan. And Switkowski has his eyes on the uh, derby as he recovers from a back injury. Well, that's, I think they need him. In. Yeah, they're, they they're do. Forward line. Their forward line, their small forwards were, were I don't know, I don't know about as bad as Tabner and Lobb, but the likes of Schultz, just eight possessions and a couple of tackles in particular, he's gone way off the boil, has, has Lachlan Schultz. Travis Collier struggles. Frederick's very flashy. Sam Switkowski is far more reliable than any of the other small forwards that they have played while he's been injured and recovering. So the sooner he gets back into that forward mix, even even Michael Walters, he's not providing that defensive pressure that he was often renowned for when he was playing more permanent forward and a bit of mm. now and again a bit through the midfield. They, they certainly need uh, Switkowski back. But Tabana, six, dispo- six disposals, one possession to three-quarter time, and Rory Lobb, eight possessions, no score, and just the one tackle. Mm. So their forward line was inept. Uh, it's been inept uh, certainly during this period. The other thing that we also need to understand is that Frio, if they're going to go forward, they have not been able to kick a winning score. What is it, 9-7? And what did they kick on Friday night? Was it six goals or something like that? They've been very poor. The just, other th- just the five. Just the five yeah. goals. So, so there you their go. last three games, nine against Sydney, 9-11. 7-10 in the draw against Richmond and 5-9. Five. Five, and, and Okay, you need to also give us your thoughts on the career of David Mundy. As you said, he's, he probably will nestle in the top two or three of all-time Fremantle greats. How much will they miss him and who's the successor to oh, the David Mundy role? Oh, and look, that's that, a big question. That is a major question because, as I say, Nathan Fife is not the player he was. He's contracted for next year. He'll, he'll go on. Michael Walters is contracted for next year. He'll go on. Not that he's a midfield option, mm. but you'd have to be looking at some of the boys that are filling defensive roles at the moment, the likes of Chapman. You know, he's still way short. He's not a big-bodied man. Uh, Nathan O'Driscoll is someone else that, you know, could be moulded into a bigger-bodied midfielder. But again, he's, he's coming back off injury just with Peel. Has to be got back into that team pretty soon. So at least he's on the bench or sub or whatever. 
I'm not so sure where they've got those players. They certainly don't have the big bodies like Mundy and Fife, especially. For for now, they're not they're not able to win games when they've been challenged by the, the four or five other top four candidates have those big power hitters, big power bodies around the midfield. And that's where I think it's caught Fremantle. And not just once or twice this season, but certainly the games when they got beaten by Gold Coast and Collingwood in rounds nine and ten after their big run of seven straight. And then also the Carlton game uh, at Marvel in round 15. They were always beaten by big bodies around the ball. You know, it was uh, was Hewitt, it was Cripps, it was uh, Kennedy in that game when Carlton got them. Mm. Carlton are flaky. But whenever then Sydney got them, Melbourne got them, even Richmond hanging back at them and keeping them to a low score uh, was more with that, that physical aggression, which forced Fremantle to slow their game and then, then their, then their uh, uh, suspect to the pressure from the harassment and certainly tackling. So they haven't got the big bodies waiting to replace Nathan Fife. If he gets through a full season next season, I'd be surprised. You'd have to get him through and manage him at times. They don't have the logical successes. Where Mundy sits, I think he's probably still behind Pavlich and Fife. Fife, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, just before we take a break. And Sandylands, I'd say. I think Sandylands is their – that's their top three for mine, Fremantle. Okay, give us your thoughts on the big announcement today with David Mundy. Get on the temperate bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or give us a yell to Scarborough 2 out of open line 13 12 55. As we go to the break, we were discussing this about Alistair Clarkson just before – we came on air, Hags, uh, in our production meeting. Dear Haggers, you just keep doing what you do best when it comes to reporting on AFL footy and in particular the two West Australian clubs. Just keep reporting the facts, good or bad. I found it so refreshing over the years to just hear it as it is from yourself and Barney over the years, for <laughs> talking about Brad Hardy. Unlike so many of the other broadcasters uh, when it comes to reports on football in WA, pencil this in. Now, Hags, mm. you'll have more on this, actually that Alistair Clarkson will coach North Melbourne five-year deal on monster dollars. That's from Robbo, who's up there on the in the sunshine state of Brisbane. We'll discuss Alistair Clarkson. That's coming up. We've got a bit on that as well. And as well as that, we'll discuss the West Coast Eagles. And Josh Kennedy's retirement game this week. I, I, people are still skirting around. Even Adam Simpson. Oh, Josh will make his decision. The decision's made, everyone, and we announced it here six weeks ago. Okay, and here, as we go to the break, one of David Mundy's great moments. Sandilands tries to get it out. Here they go. Lucky now from centre half forward. Needs a mark, and he's got it. Oh, oh. He's got a kick after the siren. What drama at the MCG. Oh, how big a kick is this for the former skipper? Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. 
Yes, come and join us on the text line, the Temper of Betjet text line. It is AFL Review Night with Kim Hagdorn and Peter Vlahos here on Drive 0487 736 736. Got a couple of texts. Let's clear a couple of calls first. Paul joins us at Gozzi's. Hello, Paul. Hey, g'day, boys. Hey, um, the best stocker of all time is undisputably Matthew Pavlich. Um, to be an All-Australian as a forward midfielder and defender mm. is pretty unprecedented. Then I think Nat Fife with his two Brownlows probably comes in at number two. And then I think there's a, a bracket which David Mundy fits in. And you've probably got guys like Peter Bell and Luke McFarlane, Aaron Sanderland's kind of in, in, in that bunch. I don't know where people like Shane Parker, who was a long servant of the club, would, would fit in. But I don't think he's as talented as those other guys. Very serviceable, though, wasn't he? And he, it's funny that you say that, Paul, because I, over the years... I've often been reminded about Shane Parker's consistency and, and so seldom beaten because when you do tend to come for these, you know, the best ofs uh, at, a, at a milestone or in this occasion a retirement, the best ofs, I mean, probably Pavlich, Fife, Sandy Lands, Bell McFarlane, as you've said, Michael Johnson, uh, Jeff Farmer, you, know, you keep naming them. Mm. I've often been reminded, hey, Shane Parker played 240-odd games and hardly ever beaten, but never never got much accolade. So yeah. you, it's a very good call yeah. to throw Shane Parker into that. I, I'd go Sandilands third, just ahead of Mundy, and then Bell, I reckon. Yeah, I, I would have had probably Luke McFarlane in, the, yeah, in that. Yeah, cool. Now, um, Luke, Luke Jackson, I want to talk about as well. Um, Fremantle's big problem is a key forward. Luke Jackson is a ruckman who can play forward. We have another ruckman who is, well, at, at, his, at the peak of his game, probably in the best handful of uh, ruckmen in the competition. Luke Jackson's played 47 games, kicked 49 goals. Um, that's not going to solve Fremantle's forward problem. Um, and yeah, he'd be a great, a great problem to have, but we can't sell the farm to get something that we don't actually 100% need. And it would be, like I said, it'd be nice to have him, but we as a priority at Fremantle need someone who is going to kick goals for us. Um, and if, if they're not there, you, you can't go into the, into the market to trade for them. But is, is, are we better off keeping draft picks and getting guys through the draft? Like if Rory Lobb leaves and we get a first or second round pick for him, and then plus our normal picks, if we took two or three tools, and I'm not sure what's in the next upcoming draft, mm. and then just had someone serviceable to fill in while guys like Amos and, and, um, and the guys who may be coming through in the future drafts are. I mean, the, the people that we're talking about as being the best players of all time are guys who, apart from Bill, are guys who were drafted and stayed with the club for a long period of time. We're not talking about people that were traded in as being really good players. And in fact, we've got a massive list of, of players who were drafted who have been abject failures, like your Hogan's and your, mm. and your McCarthy's of the world. So I'm very, very wary about Fremantle giving up too much to get any player in, let alone Luke Jackson or anyone else. Yeah, no, you've analysed it very well, uh, Paul. Uh, thanks for the call. Hags will get his uh, spin on it now. Oh, look, I think what, because... What Paul does say is oh, not exactly no, uh, nonsense. I, I think he's right on the mark. Absolutely, because Jackson and Sean Darcy... One way or another, again, I have to share the ruck load. Now, Sean Darcy is a specialist ruckman. I think Luke Jackson is bordering on that and a borderline forward. I'm totally with Paul. I think if he's on the market, though, 
or in the market and on the table, you've got to get him. Mm. And they've got to get him at whatever cost it is. Now, Rory Lobb wants to go, and just repeating, we've been reliably informed that Rory Lobb has again told Fremantle. Remember, he told him that this last year. But that wasn't this early. It wasn't still with three games to go and probably a final or two or three. He told them during trade last year, we heard that he wanted to leave, but that was very late because he missed the last four games of last season, Rory Lobb. So Lobb goes, they've got to make room in terms of getting the, the picks. They'll, they'll make room with the salary uh, shift because there's a lot of players that will get delisted at Fremantle that are on not bad money as a, as a package. And we can go through those in a moment. And one of the, one of the casualties of all this will be Lloyd Meek. Now, Lloyd Meek at 24 with just 14 games has to ask to be traded. What's he get? He's only seen as a ruckman. So there's going to be a problem in terms of how they balance Luke Jackson and Sean Darcy. I've already thrown out there. I, I, my suspicion is that Sean Darcy has fallen away in his form on an emotional viewpoint. He, Since this Jackson stuff has become so rampant and the longer it's gone, I, I think the more vulnerable Sean Darcy has been. His emotions and his body language isn't nearly what it was when Fremantle won uh, seven of their first eight games. And he was being talked about and touted as mm. All-Australian Ruckman with Max Scorn. So I, I think that's affecting him. I mean, Darcy now, he had the 19 disposals and 37 hitouts against Melbourne. As I said, I thought that was okay for him against Max Scorn. But he's only had 11 marks in his last eight games. He's only had two goals in his last eight games. So clearly, and I know he's not a huge goal kicker, but if they're going to balance this out, Jackson and Darcy, then he's got to be offering more around the ground and forward potential to be able to balance that out. You know who I would make sure I didn't lose to be able to get the best out of Jackson and Darcy is is um, Griffin Logue. Yeah. Now, he's he's being heavily courted by a number of clubs out of Melbourne, Melbourne town, not just Melbourne, the footy team. And, I th- and West Coast should have a look at Griffin Logue because he's got such versatility. Even Friday night, I kept thinking to myself, get Tabiner off. Put him in the showers, send him home and say you're playing with Peel next week and get Banfield on and play Logue as a forward. What's wrong with going with Logue? And in, in final answer to Paul's query, I'd play Logue as a regular forward and train him up over the summer so that you can get more out of Jackson and Darcy when they do pinch it forward. And you can start to think about Matthew Tabner. If you can't produce, if you're going to be as poor as you were on the big stage when we need you, I mean, they need him this week at Marvel Stadium. Yeah. They'll need him in the Derby. But do you put him back to Peel to try and freshen up his confidence? I think that would be a pathetic move. I think that would be weak on a player like him at 29 years of age. Make him, make him fight back. Yeah, but but Griffin Logue is someone who's so versatile. I'd be making sure I keep him Fremantle. Yeah, I, I'm almost. I reckon his uh, his currency is Tabiner? just. Yeah, I just think how many times you given a guy an opportunity, steps up, kicks half a dozen goals in one game, and then goes a miss for a month, and he's just well, gone a miss. To my point of view, I'm not sure where there's longevity in Tabernard, but let's continue the okay. calls. Uh, by the way, on the text line, I think Monday chose uh, this game to retire to get the very best out of his team in a game that shapes their finals campaign. The other games they should win. Uh, we haven't got a name on that. We'll try and get it to you. It's a good but, call, though. Th- th- this is a qualifying final. Lose no this free and they don't finish top four. Win it, and it's still a chance. Uh, hello, Lise. How are you going? Hi, Peter. Hi, Kim. Hi, Lisa. Yeah, good, thanks. Haggers, you've done it again. What's that? You are unbelievable. You have stolen my thunder. Oh, okay. Well and truly about Lloyd Meek and about Sean Darcy and his oh, performance okay. over the last few weeks yeah. because of Luke, I reckon it's Luke Jackson. I've heard rumblings 
that there is um, not a happy camp at Fremantle at the moment because some of the players aren't aren't getting um, talks about contracts or anything like that. But it's all focused around um, Jackson. Yeah, with, with Lloyd Meek, um, you know that this guy's 203 centimetres tall. He's a he's a you know he's a good build, and he's he's to me he's he's a pretty good ruckman, and he does you know kick goals and and does stuff around the grounds. And I think. Um, Eagles should have a look at him too. Well, that's a very good call because West Coast, West Coast are going to be in need, I reckon. I, I, they need a third ruckman in their group. I think uh, Bailey Williams can be developed. Nick Nat Newey. That, that's another discussion issue as well. I mean, you know, we, we hear over the week. We, we're, we're announcing that Josh Kennedy's going to retire after this game against Adelaide this week. The argument then comes out of West Coast is where is Jack Redden at? Luke Shuey, probably does he go on? You know, yes, no. Jamie Cripps, Nick Natanui. If Nick Natanui's going on next year, and I hope he does. I think he will. Lose 18 kilos over the summer, big fella, and get yourself trimmer and able to carry your big workload. Think about only playing 15, 16, 17 games. So they're going to need West Coast, uh, Lisa. I reckon it's a really good call. They need someone that can automatically be that backup ruckman to Nick Natanui. Bailey Williams, fine, he's developing, and go with perhaps the preferred two, working off the bench. Because Nick doesn't seem to want to go forward. Bailey Williams took a catch uh, at the weekend and looks as though he might be able to develop as a forward once Kennedy goes in tandem with the likes of Darling and Waterman and Oscar Allen when he comes back. So, But Lloyd Meek, as your third ruckman, playing with your waffle team, helping them win games and playing you know, a dozen to 15 games in rotation with the other two boys is a really good call. Yeah. Good on you, Lisa. Uh, thanks for the call. Uh, we're going to take another break, come back uh, with more. The Monday so one, much just quickly discuss. on someone's if Monday chose this game to retire. My point is, I'm not convinced he chose when to retire. I think David Monday got told you can't be guaranteed a game next year. So he's decided to retire. They've gone with it to prevent it leaking out. Next week would have been more more ideal, but I do. There's no name on that text, Peter. Mm, but no. it, it should be some kind of a motivation to this week, because they just have to beat the Bulldogs if they're going to finish top four, Fremantle. And the Bulldogs look okay to me. Okay, they got beaten I by Geelong. One thing I'm but watching. I liked, I liked a couple of things about the Bulldogs. Their down first at half. Sleepy Hollow. Isn't it funny how some of these teams, you know, even Richmond, an amazing second half yesterday, and it's Richmond of that. Two seventeen, two nineteen, two twenty. I think it's more said about the Brisbane Lions. You don't give up a forty-two point lead if you're a quality side early in the third term, regardless of whether it's Richmond or anybody. Oh, but, but you do if you're Brisbane at the MCG. Correct. That's, they've lost so, nineteen of their last twenty-one. There, Peter. So I'm it, saying it's, it's more about it's a more about Brisbane what happened yesterday than Richmond. Well, no, Richmond knew if we don't pull our fingers out and get on with this, we can beat Brisbane. Look at Gardner at the end. If that is not stage fright, I've got no idea yeah, what is. Yeah. Well, so too, so too, Hipwood. What about Joe oh, Danaher? Please. What about Joe Danaher and Mitch Robinson? <laughs> they all took the gas because it's the MCG atmosphere. They struggle with it. 19 of their last 21 games they've lost there. They've lost 11 straight. And I think they're in trouble. But their percentage and their run home in the next couple of weeks, I think Brisbane can beat Carlton... St Kilda, maybe not Melbourne, but that'll be enough, I think, to get them 60 points. And with their percentage best of, other than Geelong, 
uh, I think they can finish fourth by percentage over Collingwood. Okay, and this is what Chris Fagan, the coach of the Lions, said about the MCG hoodoo as we go to the break. The MCG monkey. See, I don't believe in the MCG monkey. It's, it's a something that everybody else is, is talking about. My personal view is that we just haven't won here because we haven't been good enough whenever we've played here, which is, hasn't been very often, I might add, but I think that was our third time in three years. So... Um, uh, we played much, much better tonight. It was our best performance here, but the, gr- the ground is no excuse. Our, our football team has won at just about every venue in the country over the last three or four years. So um, the MCG is just another one of those venues. And, you know, I think Marnica Rover we played at the other day, albeit, um, you know, Richmond are a formidable, formidable opponent at the MCG. I think Marnica Rover is about the similar dimensions to the MCG, isn't it? Or, doesn't have the big stands around it, but it's the same. So, no, I don't subscribe to that theory. we just got to play better when we come here against the team that we play against. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Well, that's up to him. Um, So I'll let him work through how it's up to us, but I'll let him guide his way through it. Um, and when, when the, the time is right for him to make the call, I'll, I'll be stepping aside and letting him do it. So that'll be in the, in the future somewhere. So that's Adam Simpson talking about the pending uh, retirement announcement of Josh Kennedy. Many forecasting that this will be announced in the next maybe 24 hours, 48 hours possibly. And the West Coast Eagles fans can uh, pay their tributes to him at a home game against Adelaide Sunday afternoon. And I think... I'm convinced that it'll be this week. The following week is a is a Fremantle home derby, and then West Coast on the road down to Geelong, you know, in a fortnight, and to, to end this their abysmal season. Um, but it gives them a chance this week to celebrate the champion person and player that Josh Kennedy has been. Now, in the 271 games you've talked about, Peter, so he goes to outright uh, fourth mm-hmm. on the West Coast Eagles all-time list played. Um, and we know he's got his over 700 goals. So it's a chance. So it'll be announced somewhere. It has to be announced. Oh, I, Adam Simpson, I, I'm not so sure why he went the way he did yesterday, probably being respectful to make it look as though it's Josh Kennedy's call. Josh Kennedy made the call five or six weeks ago, went in and said, look, I, I, I'm done. The knee is gone. I struggled to train all week and coming up week after week. And that's why he's had a couple of games off. He's missed two away trips, hasn't he, in the last, in that last six weeks. We, we've known full well he was going to retire, and his game, last game will be this game against Adelaide this week. So I reckon West Coast will actually load up. They, 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 they've, they've brought in Nat Newey to get a game. I, I'm surprised that Nat Newey played as much as he did yesterday. And I think perhaps, given the decree that when it must have gone on at halftime, one way or another, West Coast have decided at halftime, hey, Let's just have a crack here. It's a bunch of kids out there. They're not that good, and they haven't put us away. And West Coast, I mean, the the the, the total reversal in urgency between the end of the first quarter, second quarter, and the start of the third quarter was just mind-boggling. How much more uh, urgent West Coast was? How much more pressurised their tackling was and their their harassment and the quicker movement? I mean, I, I wrote down at halftime, Peter. Um, my, you know, my, my feelings on West Coast, the way they played their first half. Let me quote from my notes. So my mm-hmm. only reference here is my notes from yesterday. No one's sitting with me. Poor skill dis- disposal. Poor defensive skills. No body on body. Slow ball movement. Side to side. No confidence. No authoritative system. Well, no urgency in the first half. 
minus 16 in contested possessions to half time. West Coast 13 inside 50s to Gold Coast 30, 25 minutes into the second term. West Coast thankfully kicked the last goal of that first half. That was the, the Ryan goal to bring them back to 31 points down. And it was just a complete reversal into the second half. And they then ran on into a position. I think that's, I reckon that's why Nat knew he stayed. I thought he might have had a quieter, much more time on the bench in the second half. I thought Shuey might have. I thought Redden might have. I thought Gaff should have. Gaff, I don't think he's playing great footy, Andrew Gaff. But I sort of thought, well, they'll load up. They'll absolutely load up because they know they're going to have to beat Adelaide next weekend. Adelaide showed something against Carlton. Yes. They've caused Carlton some real grief with that win. Carlton will miss the eight. I'm convinced Carlton will miss the eight now. Had they won that, they, I don't think they could have missed the eight. So I think West Coast, with the form reversal they showed yesterday, and then defied, they defied all the indicators across the game to get within a position where they should have won. Jake Waterman wins, kicks a goal instead of kicks into the man on the mark at, uh, what was it, the 28-minute mark of that final term, the 23-minute mark, Horrible finish. They could well have gone on and won that game. But the contested possessions, Gold Coast 139, West Coast 124. Clearances, 46 Gold Coast to 32 West Coast. Inside 50s, 57 to 40. And West Coast should have won it. So I think they've loaded up. I think there was a far better approach to it in the second half. And I'm wondering if they even just didn't think, you know, geez, we've got to be better than this if we're going to beat Adelaide for JK's send-off. And also, the other thing is, speaking about JK, of course, Andrew Gaff was celebrating his 250th game. What was the milestone that Josh Kennedy had? And they were deplorable. They got really well beaten. There was a milestone just recently where we were celebrating Josh Kennedy and... Or was it Shannon Hearn? No, it was Shannon, Shannon Hearn. Hearn. It was Shannon Hearn, and they just didn't front. They just didn't front. And everybody criticised, how dare you let Shannon Hearn down uh, on his 300th game and with that deplorable performance? I think it was Richmond here. Yeah. So that's, that's a while ago. It's 11 games ago. So anyway, uh, and I think they had to sort of show some face yeah. for Andrew Gaff, but who played his 250. I, I sense West Coast will load up now. Uh, the argument there, and we've, we've discussed there about, like, Fremantle, Monday announces his retirement. Where do they go beyond Monday, Fife, Walters in the very nearly near period of time? The, the, the next six weeks is the most immediate. Fife, I don't think Fife will play round 23. He has to get ready for the final. But Monday, Fife, if they don't beat the Bulldogs this week, Fremantle will finish fifth or sixth, probably even sixth if they lose to the Bulldogs this week, Peter, because I'm giving Richmond wins over Port, Hawthorne and Essendon. I'm giving the Bulldogs, if they beat Fremantle, they'll beat. Western Sydney and Hawthorne down in Launceston to finish. And both of those, Richmond and Bulldogs, could jump into 7th and 8th at Carlton and St Kilda's expense. So Fremantle finish 5th or 6th, then they're looking at Richmond or the Bulldogs in week one. And if they, heaven forbid, lost this week and dropped one of the Derby or Western Sydney, I don't think they will. I think they'll win the Derby and the Western Sydney. That gives them six. If they finish seventh, heaven forbid, and had to go on the road to play against a Richmond or the Bulldogs, it can only be Richmond. I think Richmond will get sixth or seventh. But I think Richmond and the Bulldogs, seventh and eighth. Fremantle, fifth or sixth. So they're facing one of those mm. in the first week. I was uh, talking about GWS in a moment, but uh, we've got Paul here who's texting. must be a bit of a, uh, a Brisbane Lions fan. He says, when Brisbane lost Zach Bailey to injury, only had Darcy Ford, a slow-moving ruckman, to replace him. 
the game started to turn. And, of mm. course, uh, mm. they then lost Dylan Grimes. Uh, did Richmond to injury. They replaced him with Morris. Uh, they ran actually increased, hence the massive change in the game. He also said, what about the odd goal review that went against Brisbane in the concluding stages of the match yesterday? I didn't catch well, that no, goal well, that, review. That, it was a ridiculous goal review. Oh, yes, I did see it. Because yeah. a free kick had been given. That's right. And they still went through the goal review and then just continued on with the free kick. Which And the goal review was unnecessary. That's right. That's right. I did goal, see it. Not unnecessary. The goal review was a mistake. And the free kick. What a waste of time that was. That, well, I think the umpire just got it wrong. And, and you heard him say as he ran into the goal square, it's your free kick, don't worry. <laughs> then they did the review, and now it's your free kick. That's but right, it was, yeah. And, and they said insufficient. It had clearly gone through by a, a half a metre to be a goal. Yeah, and, of course, the uh, field umpire the played the Brisbane, push in the back on the Richmond defender. I've got this suspicion. I, I think Brisbane need to be at their best strength because to play Fort, that's the second time they've played Fort as a sub and he's had to replace a small to do that, that indicates that they're not that comfortable with the depth of their team. So a 23rd and 24th and 25th options aren't available to especially with Daniel Rich out of their team in Brisbane. I'm not so sure they've got the depth. And so, therefore, it's a credit to the fact that they're staying around about the place, challenging for finals. <laughs> they, they, they're unbeatable at the Gabba. I think it's 34 of their last 35. I'd, need, I'd have to check that. But it's something like that. But they can't win finals. They can't win at the MCG. And they can't win when they're pressured by the best few teams in the competition. I started to say a little while ago, Pete, some of the teams that play at their best that only play for a quarter of a bit, Port are one of those, Richmond are becoming one of those, Collingwood even at times. Look at Collingwood. They're, they're going to run out of luck. They're going <laughs> to run out of all the luck. They've used up all the luck they have. They've won, won their last six of the 10 straight by a total of 38 points. That's an average of 6.3 points a win. So that's that's six of their last ten. They've won eight of that ten straight winning sequence by eleven points or less, and come from behind numerous times. You can't keep doing that. No, they're no. going to run out of that. And I think Collingwood are in a bit of trouble. Melbourne, Sydney, Carlton, Melbourne, Sydney. I'm not so sure they win. Probably Carlton the last game, and that's that's what puts them into percentage chase. They're more Brisbane for percentage. At fourth and fifth. Okay, we're going to take a break. I'm going to come back on the other side of the break with the most interesting uh, details that I found. In fact, we've just got some uh, news on Jai Cully. It's just coming through. Has been handed a two-week uh, suspension. So two-week suspension for Jai Cully. I think he had to get that. Okay, so we'll come back and discuss that more. And also what I thought was the most intriguing comments to come out of the weekend uh, That's coming up next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Uh, Of course, the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games live, free and exclusive on 7 and 7 Plus. Download the 7 Plus app for your smart TV, mobile or tablet now. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, you can see all the Commonwealth Games action on 7 Plus. Watch event replays, minis, trending highlights and all the best action on demand. Plus, keep up to date with the medal tally results and event schedule. Haggers, uh, you know, we've been critical of Jack Darling. I need to throw this to you. He got uh, the uh, coaches' votes uh, top of the list uh, for the West Coast Eagles with his six goals straight on 
Sunday morning, our time. Your thoughts on Jack Darling well, uh, and uh, where he sits after that performance. Yeah, uh, he, he was West Coast's best player yesterday, along with Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly, didn't he strike back yes. also after the previous week? He was clearly injured the previous week. I don't accept anything else. Darling, I think Darling exemplified the efficiency uh, of his game when the ball comes in and he gets limited chances. Six goals, 14 disposals, 11 kicks, eight marks, three contested marks. But I think... The game, I mentioned those statistics, didn't I? The contested possession that went uh, Gold Coast mm. ways. Took Miller, he was best on ground, yeah. ahead of Darling for mine. 16 clearances. But it also meant the importance of Barras and Hearn and indicated that that they resisted that the strength around the ball from Gold Coast to get it back in. And as I said, only 40 uh, inside 50s for West Coast for Darling to finish with six goals. It's the, it's, uh, it's the third time he's kicked six in his career. Six against Richmond in round nine, 2018. A day that he had 21 disposals and 15 marks, Pete. And six goals against the Bulldogs in round 11 of 2019 from just 15 disposals. So it shows what he can do. And, and I'm not going to – it's not going to change my view of him. It is just far too sporadic, far too inconsistent. And he gets far too heavily accoladed for what he does – doesn't do often enough. But yesterday showed that I think Darling is now set – to carry whatever is the West Coast Eagles revival in 2023 and 2024 with Oscar Allen, Jake Waterman, Bailey Williams, a fit, a fit, everybody, Liam Ryan and Willie Rioli. Jamie Cripps will play on because as we've as we've touched on, I think the departure of Josh Kennedy, and, and we're saying this coming Sunday, his last game, I reckon it's leaning towards Luke Shuey, Jack Redden, Jamie Cripps, Nick Natanui, all playing on next year. I think if if Kennedy's gone and these blokes are going to be given similar chances as Kennedy to make their own decision, they will want to stay and play on. And that means that Darling leads the forward line and he showed yesterday what he's capable of, especially against the lesser sides in the competition. I need to repeat uh, Adam Simpson's comments at the press conference. He's been great. Obviously, it took him a bit of time to get into the season, missing a full chunk of the preseason, but he hasn't let us down hardly ever in his career, and he didn't again today. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's the coach's assessment. Uh, I, I Hardly ever let them down. Hardly ever, That's please. just not right. All right, let's 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 move on. Uh, Alistair Clarkson, uh, as it's been pointed out, and we've been discussing it, mm. uh, he's zero, zeroing in on North Melbourne, it appears. Yeah, that's, that's my mail, as recent as today, Peter, that uh, Alistair Clarkson, uh, it seems as though he doesn't want to live in Western Sydney. The AFL is behind this. The AFL wants Alistair Clarkson to take Greater Western Sydney as their preference or North Melbourne, either one the AFL is going to be funding and controlling. And my understanding, Pete, is that Alistair Clarkson getting very close now. In actual fact, uh, the AFL circles are buzzing uh, and they're getting louder and louder that Alistair Clarkson looks likely to take North Melbourne. A five-year deal, and that'll that'll also take them through an extensive rebuild. And the possibility even, eventually, if the AFL decides North Melbourne has to shift to Tasmania, if they could win over the Tassie government, and, and that consortium of people wanting a team out of Tasmania, uh, Clarkson's the man who would lead yeah, that. But I'm, le- I'm leaning to – I'm told he's he's had three discussions with GWS in recent times. He had talks with Essendon, 
but now looking likely to take North yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, and that'll be an exciting story to see what Clarko can do with the side that's really bottomed out. And finally, GWS, Mark McVeigh saying he feels a lot of the players that GWS have checked out, well, they've been deplorable. Five wins so far this season after being in a grand final, what, two, three years ago. Uh, and I saw Penrith and Parramatta, the Battle of the West in Rugby League uh, on the weekend. It was massive. And I thought to myself... GWS have got no hope in penetrating into this market, particularly with the way they're playing at the moment. Yeah, and, and you're talking about the Western Sydney yeah. as a marketplace. He named all those players, he named eight players, Mark McVeigh, that he thought had a go for them. Uh, and I just thought, this is a coach under siege. This is a coach that knows he's lost his players, and therefore you just name the few that you feel comfortable with, throw the rest out, and he'll lose his job. He won't get the job. Good on you, Hags. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back again uh, tomorrow from 5.